Welcome to the Camden Nazarene Podcast. Camden Nazarene is an established church with a fresh vision located at 2276 Jefferson Davis Highway in Camden, South Carolina. We gather for worship each Sunday at 1040 a.m. And you're invited to be our guest this Sunday. Right. Man, good morning. Man, welcome to church. Welcome to church. And uh, so delighted you've chosen to, uh, to worship with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn uh, to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. And uh, if you're a first-time guest with us or, or you, 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 you would like to follow along with the Bible, there's a pew Bible there in front of you. Looks just like this one. And uh, we're going to be on page 699 in your pew Bible. But Mark uh, chapter Mark chapter 1, and uh, I don't know where this, Tammy, I found your, I found your, your, your music stand. It was hidden, yeah, it was hidden in the back room there, and it showed up there. Um, I better move it. You know, I get a little lively up here sometimes, so I may end up like knocking it down or something. But uh, Mark, uh, Mark chapter, Mark chapter 1, and last week we began a new series uh, for, for Advent called Long Expected Jesus, and Last week, we were reminded that Jesus was born. He was born into a very trying time. It, it, it happened about four, it had been about 400 years or so since the children of Israel had heard from the Lord or from, or for, or, or, or from any of, of the prophets. In fact, it's within these 400 years of silence, as Christian tradition calls it, that, that groups like the Pharisees and the Sadducees began to began to emerge. You see, they figured that if God's going to be silent, well, they would step in and fill the communication gap. And uh, that's a whole other teaching and a whole other sermon to kind of figure all that out. And, and so that's just kind of a small little history lesson of kind of where some of those groups came from in this, in this time. So it was a very trying time. It was a time of, of struggle and strife. There was tension between the, between the children of Israel and, and Rome. Because at this time, they were, they were under rule of Rome. Rome was in charge, and Rome had this, had this agreement. They had a kind of a, a, a puppet king that was kind of over, over the children of Israel, if you will, called, called Herod. And, and for the most part, as long as they did their thing and didn't make a whole lot of fuss, they were able you know, to kind of, kind of do their thing. But there was always this tension between never knowing what Rome would decide to do. And for the most part, they were, they were oppressed. There was this struggle. And so the children of Israel, they, they knew that there were these prophecies that talked about a Messiah who would come. The prophet Isaiah spoke of it all too well. And, and so they knew these prophecies that, that a Messiah was to come. And so last week, in, a, in an effort to to really feel, to understand what it was like to expect the first advent. Last week, we went to a text that reminded us that there is a second advent that is to come. Advent means coming. And so the first advent, obviously, is the, the birth of Christ. And we, as a church today, we live in this, we live in this moment, we live in this time between the first advent and the second advent, advent that is to come. So we, we, we looked at a text last week to help us understand what, is it, what did it mean to be in expectation for, for this Messiah. 
Remember last week I told you that our, our series is it's kind of like Star Wars uh, movie dynasty in that we're, we kind of went forward and every sermon, every, every teaching until then is kind of going to move backwards until we get to the Christmas story. So we're kind of doing all these prequels, as they, as they call them. And uh, Star Wars was on last night. They got it on TV last night. They're ramping you up. They want you to go to that movie theater in about seven days when that thing comes out. You know, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm going to go. Even though I'm a Star Trek guy, I'm still going to go. All right? But um, that's kind of how our series is going. So we're kind of moving, moving back. So last week's text prepared us for the second advent. So today we come to a text that's going to introduce us to a guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is going to prepare us and he's going to and he prepared the world for the earthly ministry of Jesus. Let's read this together. Mark chapter 1 and we'll read verses 1 through 8. If you're able to stand, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. If you're not able to, that's okay. But if you can, I think that would be great. Hear the word of the Lord. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in, in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Who will, prepare, who will prepare your way? A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole, Judea, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Are you thankful? Amen. Father, we are thankful for the reading of your word. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to thee, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So John is this, John is this opening, he's this opening act. You guys ever been to a, you guys ever been to a concert? Who, who, who enjoys going to a concert? Maybe your, your favorite, your favorite singer, your favorite band. You know, there's always, there's always the opening act. It's like they kind of come out and, and usually it's a, it's a newer artist and I, their, their goal is to, I guess, to introduce you to their to their music and, and to kind of begin to, to, to get the crowd into it, to get them hepped up, to get them hyped up for, for what's about to come. And, and the opening act is great. The opening act is, is, is fine. It's, it's great. But we all know why we're there. You know, if you went to a, if you're a country music fan and you went to a, to a Garth Brooks concert, he's touring again, and, and um, if you went there and let's say, I don't know, you know, Luke Combs or Luke Bryan or something, I don't know, one of those guys were opening for him, you'd be like, ah, well, you know, it's okay, but I'm here for Garth Brooks. You know, depending on who it is, you'd say, well, I'm actually here for real country music, so hurry up and get that out of the way, but that's, that's a side thing. You're, you're here to, to hear the band. You're, you've come for the main event. 
And so John the Baptist, he, he, he comes onto the stage here, and it's almost like he's just this opening act. He's kind of preparing us. He's getting us ready for what's about to, to unfold. And so instead of having angels and shepherds or, or wise men prepare us for Christmas, the Gospel of Mark gives us a weather-beaten prophet, prophet wearing camel hair clothes and a leather belt. Now, that isn't Frosty the Snowman. That isn't Santa Claus. That isn't little baby Jesus in the manger. I'm not used to these images. You've come to church today, and you're wondering, why are we talking about a wild-haired, loud prophet who eats locusts, countryman, wild man coming out of the woods, yelling, speaking all this condemnation that's going to happen to the world? In Matthew's account, man, he, he really hits them pretty hard. It's interesting. It's, it's, you should read it. So this desert prophet known as John the Baptizer is the first person Mark wants us to meet as he gets ready to tell us the good news. Mark spends no time at all in stories of the first Christmas. There is simply this announcement. Look at, at verse 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The rugged baptizing, preaching this in this in is this messenger. And in this message, and this messenger is 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 giving us this message about Christ, this this embodiment of the good news that Jesus is the Son of God, and the story that is going to unfold out of the next sixteen chapters, if you're reading Mark, is his story. The gospel writer Mark is letting us know by using this, this wild hair prophet, he's letting us know that this good news is in fact the good news of Jesus. You know, opening lines are important. Opening lines are, are very important. Maybe you recognize this opening line. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Everybody Remember, you know, where that's from. Opening lines are important in literature. Opening lines are important in movies. And, and so here, man, the gospel of Mark, he really gives us an awesome opening line. An awesome opening line. When he's, look, look there at verse, at verse 1. This is one of the most significant opening lines. And he says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah the Son of God. You see, Mark is about to, he's, he let us know that what's about to be unwrapped, what's about to be unraveled is Jesus Christ. The, the word gospel, this word, good news is where we get the word gospel. Gospel is an interesting word. I found out that for most Romans, especially if you back into the, what was called the Hellenistic period, the, their word for gospel literally meant good news from the battlefield. When I read that, that was, that was interesting. Now, for the Romans and for those who would have been reading this in, in, in their context, this word that means, this gospel that means good news would literally mean in their culture, good news from the battlefield. I read that and I said, hmm, that makes, it makes total sense, guys. Because this gospel that we're talking about, this gospel that we preach, this good news that we preach here at Camden Nazarene, it is a gospel that breaks in at the time of struggle. And that's what happens here in Mark. 
This gospel, Jesus comes onto the scene. Whether you want to talk about his birth or if you want to talk about here where he's coming on into this, onto the scene to begin his ministry, he breaks in in the midst of struggle. There has been a battle that is raging. There, there, is, there is tension that is raging. And there is good news from the battlefield because Christ the Messiah has broken in, is breaking in. Mark also uses this phrase, the beginning. And it's the same, it's the same phrasing that is used in Genesis 1. It's almost like Mark is, Mark is letting us know that he's letting us know that, that this is a new beginning to God's purposes. This is, this is a, a new beginning in God's plan. The same God who brought order out of chaos was doing a new thing in the face of Roman occupation and disastrous spiritual leadership that Mark thinks is given by the temple elite. So don't forget, remember last week? We, we, we were reminded that the whole, the whole the, the gospel of Mark is centered around the temple not being the center of the faith, but the center of the faith being Jesus Christ. You see, he comes in, he's writing this in a context in which the children of Israel, they understood everything that they knew about religious life, everything that they, they knew and that they understood about how to reach God happened at the temple. But Jesus comes on scene, and Mark uses these words, the beginning. And I, I don't know if he meant to or not, but when I read that and when I connect those dots, it's like, he's, it's like Mark saying, guys, there's a new beginning here. There's a, there's a, there's a new story that's being, that's being written here. Our faith does not have to reside around the temple, but our faith and the good news and the gospel is going to reside in this, in this, this person who is Jesus Christ the Messiah. So God is, he's wanting to break into our, into our lives with a new beginning. So this Advent, I'm convinced that, that God is breaking into our lives. He is breaking into our lives amongst the chaos. Chaos, trouble. He's breaking into our lives amongst the struggle. Anybody got struggle? So you guys got it all together. I don't have to worry about y'all. Yeah, y'all got it. Yeah, y'all good. Got a little chaos. Chaos is this, this disorder, you know. I'm not, I'm not talking about your house. Your house may be chaotic right now. A lot of wrapping paper and a lot of just different things that are, that are around there. But in the same way that God broke into the creation story and he took chaos and he, he gave it order and formed the universe, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, this Advent, he's wanting to break in into our lives. He wants to give us a, a new beginning of the gospel coming in and, and giving order where there is disorder. Giving us strength where there, is, where there is weakness. So how do we prepare for this good news? How do we prepare for this good news? See, Mark tells us that, that good news is on the way. But he doesn't get to Jesus right away, does he? He wants us to, to pay attention to John's teaching. Standing knee-deep in the cloudy waters of the Jordan River, John calls out to the crowds gathered along its banks. Look at verse 3 
What does he say? A, a voice of one in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. This quote from, from Isaiah. And what this indicates to us, this, this little insert from Isaiah chapter 40, this little insert is reminding us to say, hey, pay attention to this guy. Pay attention to John. He's, he's trying to set us straight. John's message is an urgent call to make our relationship with God our first priority. We do this by confessing our sin and turning in repentance towards God so that we are ready when the Messiah shows up. Remember last week we talked about and this the second advent. We never know who's going to show up. I mean, we can sit here all day long and try to make charts and, and try to predict certain things. In fact, last week my, uh, my brother in Arkansas, he... Um, he preached the same Mark 13 text last week, and uh, he is so astute. He's such a great theologian. He actually, he actually predicted when Christ was going to return to his congregation, and I figured I would share that with you, and he's going to return very soon. And there you go. There you go. No one knows the day or the hour. But John is reminding us, man, man, be ready. Not just be ready for the second advent that's, that we're looking for, man, but be ready now. What is Christ? What is God? What is he wanting to do in your life? What is he calling you to right now? Be ready. You never know when he wants to break in. You see, because as, as Christians who are living in this in-between time with the first advent and the second advent, we're also living in this time of what I call the, the already but not yet kingdom of God. I mean, when, you, when you go to the Gospels, you see Jesus, he, he ushered in the kingdom of God with his first coming. The, you understand that, that the kingdom of God is among us. One of my, my Old Testament professors would put it best. He said, man, kingdom time is now. Kingdom time is happening right now. It's still going to come in its fullness. It's still, it's still, it's still going to come and everything's going to be, made, to be made right. But right now, God is working to redeem our world. Right now, God is working in our midst and he is calling you and I to be a part of that because we're in this already come but not yet kingdom of God. And so in this kingdom of God, we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready to, to bear fruit. You see, that's really what, re what repentance is all about. When, when John comes along and says, hey, repent. You know, repentance is not doing something wrong and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to do that. And then you do it again. Like, like re repentance from a biblical standpoint is this understanding that, that I have done wrong. And Lord, help me. I want to turn. I want to make an about face. And I want to go the opposite direction of what I just repented from. Because I want you to come in. I want you to change me. I want you to transform me. And that's what John is telling us today is, man, prepare your heart. Prepare the way for the Lord. John's asking us to, to pave a new road. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch uh, cities and, and towns and uh, municipalities. You know, they, you see it happen here in Camden, here in Kershaw County. Uh, you're seeing new roads being paved. You're, you're seeing infrastructure 
uh, work uh, being done uh, to certain areas of town. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go down to the Kendall Mill area. I mean, new streets, new, I mean, this looks nice. I want to move, I want to, move to the Kendall. Who would ever thought that you would have said that? I want to move to the Kendall Mill area. But it's, it's like the next biggest thing in town. And this is all things that are going on because they're prepared for something. There's actually a sense within our, within our county that, that, that we, are, we have been growing and we're going to continue to grow. And so we're, we're paving new roads. We're making new ways because we're preparing for something. We're preparing for, for economic development that's happening. We're doing all these things. And, and it really happens all over, all over the, the country. I mean, if you want to draw in new business, if you, you've got to prepare for it. You've got to plan for it. And this is what John is telling us. He said, hey, guys. You need, to, you need to pave a new road. You need to make a new way. You need to repent. The Messiah is here. There's a new way that is here, and it's not the temple. It's not your law. It's not your Pharisees and your Sadducees. This new way, this new covenant is Jesus Christ. So get your heart right. Get ready. Because kingdom time is about to, it's about to burst in. You guys are, I could, you guys are so ready. I can tell. It's exciting stuff, guys. So this, this Advent, there was a way for chaos to become order. There was a way for struggle to become victory. There was a way for us to experience peace and joy. So let's prepare for it. But you know, Advent is more than just expecting. It's more than just expecting Christ to move or for him for him to come. Once we've expected and we've prepared for Christ, then we have to understand that this that this good news it actually wants to break into our hearts and bring transformation. You guys know that this this gospel that we preach that can bring transformation, this gospel, this good news that we preach that that can bring good news to our lives. It's not just something that I say just to, just to pass the time. I'm not up here preaching just because it's just something cool to do. This church is not here just because it's just something to do and something to say. This good news that takes chaos and brings order, this good news that takes struggle and gives victory is, the, is real. And it can take root in our hearts. It can take root in our lives. And it can bring transformation. But I think so many times we just, we go through life just saying, well, you know, it is what it is. I am who I am. Well, you know, that's just, that's just me, Pastor. That's just me. I mean, I see it on Facebook all the time. Oh, that's just, that's just who I am. Do you know that there could be a new you? Do you know that you can be a new creation? Do you know that, that your answer doesn't have to be, well, that's just the way I am. Oh, my granddaddy was that way. You think I'm bad. You should have met granddaddy. Ooh, man. And I've said this before, guys. We're not supposed to follow the example of granddaddy. We're following the example of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who can come and, and make us a new creation who can calm tempers, who can calm jealousy, who can calm past hurt that leads us to, to rage and all this malicious uh, uh, things that we say. He can change all of that. 
And it's real. If it wasn't real, I would be doing something else. I was in a, I was in a meeting with, with some pastors a few weeks ago, and they were talking about when they were in seminary, they, there was a prof there, there was a professor there that was one of these progressive thinkers. And um, I shouldn't have done that. That's, that's not kind. Um, one of these progressive thinkers that believed that the resurrection was just was all metaphor. You know, just, just, just metaphor. It didn't really happen. And that he's not there anymore. Don't, and, you know, don't, he wasn't there anymore. And I said, I told these guys, I said, guys, if the resurrection is not real, that, that means this whole, this whole good news thing, this whole new creation, this whole, this whole thing of being raised, being, being, our sin being put to death and, and being raised a new life, that means all oh, that's just nonsense. If the resurrection is not real, and if the resurrection is not real, and this is all nonsense, then I'm going to go sell insurance or cars, do something else. They say, I I agree with you. So this Messiah that wants to break into our lives, folks, he wants to do a a great work in us. He wants to bring transformation. Look at verses 7 and 8. Look at verses 7 and 8. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Look at verse 8. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. See, John is, John is baptizing for, for, the remission of, for the remission of sins. John is baptizing. Is, his baptizing is a, is a preparation for what God wanted to do in the lives of the people who would experience the ministry of Jesus firsthand. Get a little theological with you just real quick. I mean, technically, I've been doing that the whole, that's what a sermon is, but let me get academic. There we go. I don't believe John is dividing the, the two events of water and spirit baptizing. Water and spirit are two aspects of the same event. You see, for, for Christians, the triune God is active through the Spirit in all of human sal- salvation. All of, the, all of the, the activity of human atonement and salvation, it is all, it is all worked and, and, and applied to us through the Spirit because of the blood of Christ. So don't read this as trying to separate these things out. I believe the sacrament of baptism within our church always has and always will include the Spirit of God. The Spirit is among us when we, when we, do, that, when we do that baptizing. But we also can't get weeded down into the actual thinking of like literal baptism here. Yeah, I mean, baptism is important, but John's also reminds us of some, of some other things too, that, that God wants to, Jesus Christ wants to do so much more in us. That Jesus Christ, through his spirit, he wants to pour out his spirit in us. That God just doesn't, he just didn't send his son so that we can be forgiven. Well, that's a key part, but he wants to do more than that. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that Christ wants to do more in your life than just forgive you of your sins? Well, that is very important. And that's, I mean, that's, boom, that's the first thing about salvation, but 
Man, we believe in an optimism of grace that says grace wants to take us so much further than just enough to get us by. <laughs> but grace wants to take us farther. Grace wants to, wants to set our feet upon a rock. Grace wants to, wants to pull us out of the miry clay, as a hymn writer says, and wants to, wants to set us on, on firm standing. And so John comes along and says, hey, listen, I, I'm going to baptize you with water for the remission of sins. We're preparing this. We're, I'm preparing you for this thing. But let me tell you, when the Messiah comes, oh, man, then that's when it gets real. And just and today, God wants to pour out his spirit on us. You know, it's interesting. When you, when you see other images of, of baptism uh, in the New Testament, so in Matthew 3, this same account is, is told. And Matthew uses the term, baptize you with, this, with spirit and fire. There's other times, even in the Old Testament, you actually, you, you believe, you understand, even in the Jewish faith, there was, there was, there was, there was a, a, reach, a ritual that they did that was similar to baptism. I mean, so this, this whole thing of, of being immersed and, or being, you know, being anointed with water or, or whatever, it's nothing new. As always, Jesus takes it and he takes it a step further. That's kind of what he does. But all of these images throughout Scripture that you see, whether it's baptism by fire, by the Spirit, I mean, it's all, it's all this metaphor language of, 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 of the Spirit being poured out over us being literally immersed in the Spirit, being, the Spirit being poured out over us. And it just reminds me that, man, the Spirit wants to pour out over us today. As we, as we wrap this up, that we, we, we are reminded that the Holy Spirit wants to immerse us, wants to pour over us His presence. You see, because this long-expected Jesus, he is Lord. And the only way that he can be Lord of our lives is if we allow his spirit, man, just to pour in through, literally immerse us. You know, you, we have this image here in the Church of Nazarene, you know, for those, those who are baptized by, by immersion, you know, you mean... All in, you know. And I was thinking about that. I said, Lord, man, help my heart. Help me to be, man, just, man, I want to, man, just immerse me. Soak it down. Pour over me your presence. You see, Jesus wants to be not just the one who was promised, but the actual Lord of our lives which means a, a preparation must take place on our end. We must be willing to, to leave the wilderness of our lives and the places where cynicism and doubt have taken root. We must expect that just like God showed up in unexpected ways in the form of Jesus, God still shows up in unexpected ways in our lives. We must humbly say, like John, that we are, un, we are unworthy to even untie the sandals of Christ yet remain confident that we are asked to come. You ever think about that? 
This one in who we are unworthy to even, to even untie his sandals has invited us into his presence, has invited us to, to experience new life in him. This preparation of our hearts and minds can help us this season and throughout the year to remember that while Christ already came, Christ continues to come each day into our lives as we invite him. Christ continues, he continually wants to speak the truth to the world and we, like John, can declare the word of the Lord and continue to make straight paths for him. I hope that we do everything that we can in our lives and in our hearts to make sure that Christ has a straight path to rule and to reign in our lives and in our hearts and in our families. Do you have a roadblock that's put up? Do you have a roadblock that's put up that's keeping Christ from that clear path of having full reign in your life? We can take it down. In a sense, you know, that's that's kind of that's that's what holiness is. That's what we you hear this this phrase entire sanctification around here with 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 all these Nazarenes. And, and you could say, in a sense, maybe that's what sanctification is: is making a straight path from our heart to God and saying, God, there is no borders. There are no obstructions. There is nothing keeping. I want you to rule and reign. I want you to pour over me. I want to be immersed in your spirit. That's what I want you to do. Ask yourself this question. What is, what is Christ preparing you for? What is, what is Christ preparing your heart for? What is, what is he wanting to do? Is there a is there, is there a roadblock? Is there, is there something that, that's just keeping you from being all in? Dwayne's going to sing, and, and it's a song that reminds us that Emmanuel is here. He has come. And these altars are always open. This is a, this is a place of, of prayer. And this could be a day that, that believers come under conviction. Believers, those who have profess Christ as, as, as Savior, it could be that today is the day that we realize, you know what, even though that we have accepted Christ as our Savior, we, we know that there are roadblocks. Our path is not really straight to make sure that Christ is Lord of our lives. And maybe today you want that spirit baptism. You want, that, you want the Holy Spirit just to, to come in in your heart and just say, Lord, I want you to have all of me. Could be that's a prayer that we need to pray today. You know, God wants all of us, amen? And I'm so thankful for that. Let's stand. Dwayne's going to sing. If you want to come and pray, you're welcome to. But please know, and God is here among us. And he wants to do some amazing things in our lives. He wants to take that chaos and give it order. He wants to take that struggle and give you victory through the outpouring of his spirit. Let's sing.
pray for you. Before I do, I want to remind you tonight, 6 o'clock, as the kids present their, their musical uh, mystery at the manger, uh, afterwards we'll have a time of fellowship and finger foods because, I mean, why would you want to gather on Sunday night? We want to have food afterwards. I mean, that's, that's, isn't that awesome? So we want to have you come, invite you out. It's going to be a great evening together. Let me pray for you. Father, we're so very thankful uh, for uh, your word that's been presented to us today not just presented to us, Lord, your word that has been an invitation into your presence, whether it be through song, through scripture, through the, through the proclaimed, through the preached word. Lord, it's, it's an invitation, Lord, to be immersed into your spirit. It's, a, it's an invitation for us to, to make you Lord of our lives, for us to, to make sure that those paths are straight, that there's no obstruction, there's, there's no barrier that we have up that's keeping you, it's keeping us really from inviting you to have all of us. Lord, we're thankful for this grace that is powerful. We're thankful for this grace that is real. And Lord, would you continue to stir in our hearts. Lord, as we, there, there, I, I know there are some, Lord, that you have spoken to. And Lord, I, I pray that you will continue to stir in their hearts this week. Lord, I pray that you stir in their hearts so much that they got to get on the, uh, they got to get a hold of, of me or, or Pastor Scott or someone else and just say, I got to talk this out. The Spirit is just stirring in me. And Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, we want to, we'll, we'll be dismissed from this place, Lord, but we'll never be dismissed from your presence. Lord, bring us back here this evening for our time of, of the gospel being presented uh, by our children. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said together. Amen, amen. Hey, go in grace, go in peace. It's a great day. Have a day, Lord, made just for you. Thank you for visiting camdenfirstchurch.org.